Welcome to the second semester of the New Mexico Rising podcast. We're so excited to be back for our second semester. This is your host, Amanda Aragon, Executive Director of New Mexico Kids Can. By the way, we refer to our seasons here on the New Mexico Rising podcast as semesters instead of seasons. Speaking of, if you miss any of semester one, be sure to go back to this feed after this episode to catch up on everything that you missed during season one, semester one. We had some incredible guests, and we would love for you to hear those conversations. New Mexico Rising is meant to provide a new way to engage with New Mexico stakeholders, you, parents, families, teachers, policymakers, allowing you and them to hear and dig deeper into inspiring education stories from our home state. For decades, New Mexico is ranked at or near the bottom in education, a reality that we fear has become far too comfortable. But we know the story doesn't end there. All across our state, incredible leaders, educators, and parents are working to improve our education system. And this podcast features their stories. Each episode features an interview with someone leading great work in New Mexico's education system. And we can't wait to have you join us for these inspiring and important conversations. Speaking of our conversations, we would love to hear your feedback on our episodes. You can share your thoughts by emailing us at rising at nmkidscan.org. Or even better, and helpful for us, rate us on your favorite podcast app and leave us a review. And share our podcast with your networks. We need you to help make this podcast a success and help our fellow New Mexicans hear these inspiring stories about what's possible for New Mexico students. Okay, now we've gotten all that out of the way, let's get started on semester two. I am really, really excited to introduce you to today's guest, Kyle Rhodes. Kyle is the president and CEO of Pesco Incorporated, a privately held manufacturing company located in a former hometown, not hometown, but a former residence of mine, Farmington, New Mexico. For 10 years, he was the member of the Farmington School Board and has a passion for providing opportunities for kids to succeed. Kyle has also coached youth sports for 26 straight years, including soccer, basketball, and tennis. I might need you to give me some tennis lessons, Kyle. (laughs) He received his uh, bachelor's in mechanical engineering from New Mexico State University. He serves on the New Mexico State University Foundation Board. Go Aggies. I usually say go Lobos for our guests here, but go Aggies today. And his past board positions include New Mexico Manufacturing, Extension Partnership, Four Corners Economic Development, and the Farmington Chamber of Commerce. He continuously serves his local church and has five children and seven grandchildren. Kyle, welcome to New Mexico Rising. Thanks. I'm so excited to be here. We are so excited to have you. Your bio is extensive and I think barely touches some of the best parts of who you are. You're just an incredibly kind human being that serves your community and I'm so grateful to know you. Well, thank you. Actually, uh, I was on the board 12 years, but I, I, I think we we skipped the two COVID years, which I'm good with that. You know, <laughs> those are probably the hardest years, exactly. though, of your board service. So exactly. like, we can block them out from memory. But 12 years is a significant yeah, investment. Yeah, it, it, it's, it's a good time. I mean, uh, we did a lot of good things in Farmington. It was fun. It was fulfilling. So it, it was good. Well, and I think a lot of people, uh, we just – Kyle and I got to talk about education this morning with some local Albuquerque leaders, but 
you know, so often, and part of the reason we're so excited to have you today is people hear about what's happening in Albuquerque, but we don't often get to hear about great things that are happening in other parts of the state. So I'm so grateful that you would join us. And before we get started about the great story of Farmington Municipal Schools, um, we'd love to hear a little bit more about PESCO, your organization, and why, as a business leader, education was an interest of yours. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I'm really proud of PESCO. We we started, actually, my parents started up back in 1970, so 53 years we've been in business. And uh, my brother and I took it over, well, we grew up in the business. I was 12 and he was 13 when we started. And um, so we had a job whether we wanted it or not. So, but we both went to New Mexico State, got our engineering degrees. And uh, I mean, we started on nothing. It was mom and dad and Jim and I. And... Um, so we have um, built the business. Uh, Jim and I have been running it for the last mm, 30 years or so. And um, right now, I mean, we have survived several downturns. You know, basically in the what we do is manufacture equipment for the energy industry, mostly oil and gas. And when you see that price of oil and gas drop, the commodity price, then it affects every industry that serves that. And... Um, or every company that serves that industry. And uh, so we've survived and dismantled our business several times and built it back up several times. And um, so right now we have about 450 people. Um, we have about 70% of those people are Native Americans, fantastic people to work with. And um, this last year we had our, our best year ever. We surpassed 100 million in revenue. And um, so we, um, we're doing some great things up there. It's, it's, really, it's really an exciting company because of the culture that we've built. And um, people just feel like they're supported, they're equipped for success, which is what we're all about. You know, when I was coaching that 26 years, I really had, had two goals every year with those kids. One goal was to give them enough skills where they could be successful at the next level. And the other goal was to make it fun enough and fulfilling enough where they wanted to compete at the next level. Well, we do the same thing at PESCO. We want to grow people. It's all about people. And um, so, um, so yeah, it's, it's, we do a lot of stuff. I mean, we, we're the preferred vendor for Conical Phillips in the Eagleford Shale, the Permian Basin, the Bakken, the Bakken Shell. We're the preferred vendor in the DJ Basin for Chevron, for Occidental Petroleum. So we deal with the big boys. And um, then we've recently started working with Biotech for hydrogen um, uh, skid development. We just shipped our first skid earlier in the summer that went to St. Louis, and that should be coming online probably this month or next month. But it's basically building modular units that produce hydrogen. And uh, then we, we partnered with New Mexico Tech on some water technology, and we, we have one unit that's going to go out for tests for Hillcorp in, in the San Juan Basin for produced water purification. But we also uh, provided a couple units for the Navajo Reservation for their water pur purification on, on uh, dirty wells and because they have a real problem on the reservation with that. So it's so a lot of really exciting things going on. Um, and it's just a, people say, well, when are you going to retire? I say, yeah, I don't want to retire. 
this is too much Having fun. Having too much fun. Oh, yeah. And we have a lot of, we have a full engineering staff and we have a lot of young kids. I say, you know, people like you, kids, <laughs> that are just fun to work with. And uh, so, yeah, things are, things are good at PESCO. Well, I think, you know, uh, what year were you elected to the school board? 2010. Okay, so the year that I moved to Farmington is the year that you were elected to the school oh, board. Okay. So in a lot of ways, there's just so much. You know, I I wish our listeners could know you the way that I know you in that, you know, I moved to a town and everyone talked about Kyle Rhodes, Kyle Rhodes, Pesco. You're such a figure in the community for all the right reasons, right? You have, you and your family have this business that's a true New Mexico success story. Just hearing you talk about it made me think of, our vision guide at New Mexico Kids Can, we have the story of a young girl that kind of journeys through the education system and mm-hmm. has internships and job opportunities and starts a business and employs local New Mexicans. And, you know, it's that's the story of, I think, what we want for our students to be right. well-equipped and prepared to do things that they never dreamed of doing. Right, exactly. Yeah. And so it's so neat to see, to get to have watched your leadership both at PESCO and then through the school board. So starting, let's jump to the school board. Okay. You have incredible business career, obviously. Um, You're deeply committed to so many causes across your community. All of that on your plate and you decide, you know what, I'm going to run for the school board. What motivated that decision? Well, coaching kids, I love kids. So I have five of my own. And um, so I coached them for 26 years. And, and it was, it was, you know, we started in the fall with soccer, and then we moved right into basketball, right back into soccer and tennis, and it was just never-ending for 26 straight years. And I love kids. And so when my, my daughter, my youngest, graduated from high school, I thought, you know, what is next? Because I'm, I'm, things need to happen here. And so a friend of mine who was on the board said, hey, I'd like you to take my position. And I said, sure. That was when you had to beg people to serve on the school board. And so um, I said, sure. So I ran for school board. And, and, um, but it was a way to give back that was foundational to success of a community. You know, I'm not real interested in just showing up for a meeting, you know, um, although those things are important, I'm interested in making an impact and using my experience and everything and, and also realizing, you know, I don't know it all, and I can learn something here too. Um, my last eight years on the board, I was really, really fortunate to be the president of the board and serve with Gene Schmidt, Dr. Gene Schmidt, who was the superintendent. Um, he's since retired. but. That was just a fabulous experience with Gene because we were so connected and we had the same vision and we had the same passion, had the same values on on how we do this thing that really benefits the kids and really drives student achievement all while valuing all of our employees, all of our teachers, all the support staff, everybody. So you, you run it through values with a goal of, of increased growth for kids, increased student achievement, all while valuing your people. And we really were, were turning things around and getting things in the right place. It takes a while in education. I tell you, that was the hardest thing for me was to come to grips with. At PESCO, we can put in new processes and we can measure 
and we can see pretty quickly if what we're doing is correct, and then we can adjust. Schools, it's not that easy. You know, it takes a while and sometimes years to see if what you put together in third grade program really benefits them when they're getting in high school and things like that. It, that was really, because I am not really a patient person. So, Well, and aside from being patient, there's, um, you know, we govern our, our local schools by school boards, and those elections happen every two years. So oftentimes that progress isn't able to be measured in those two-year increments where then right. the political machine of school board elections is then causing a mess right. while you're trying to right. get exactly. to the progress. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah, that's we, – we were fortunate that we had a, a stable board throughout most of that time and that, that a, um, a new board member would come on and they would know kind of their role – and that they kind of just need to learn because because mm-hmm. and and they really understood that this was an eight year commitment, not a four year commitment. That the first four years, it was going to be spent trying to figure out what's going on, and we're mm-hmm. going to try to equip them to to know that. But um, that's changed, and that really changed across the state, and and COVID changed that yeah. because it was so politicized that that it it got more political on the boards and and frankly politics has no room in schools right i mean absolutely zero room in schools it's about the kids it's not about politics and it's about equipping kids to get better totally and that's what makes i think leaders like you and so many people serving on boards across the state for that reason to make schools better to help kids you know if anyone ever calls us and says like i'm interested in running for school board our first question is always like why yeah yeah because if it's not that if it's anything other than that, right. there's other offices you can run for yeah, exactly. that the politics might benefit uh, you a little more than schools. Right, right, exactly. Yeah, we had in the last last election, maybe I shouldn't say this, but I, I'm going to, you know me, <laughs> that we had a school board member that was, she was board member of the year throughout the state, but she wasn't well known around Farmington. And she got voted out in the election from somebody that was more popular, but wasn't even close to as as good as she was. Now, now that the person that took her place has a potential mm-hmm. to be good, but that's that's the sadness around the political piece of this thing that really frustrates me. And so, but you you deal with it, you know, and you try to put in systems that that helps board members grow and everything. Yeah. Well, I know we've talked about some of the success of Farmington, and I would love to hear your reflections on it. But as an intro to this conversation, I will say any presentation that I give, I always uh, include an activity. So the activity is I list the 10 largest districts in the state, and I ask the people in whatever group I'm a part of to rank them based on who they think made the most progress from 2015 to 2019. Okay which was the last five period that we had consistent data. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's unfortunate. And Don't it's get me a whole started other on conversation, that. <laughs> but, you know, 2015 to 2019, which district made the most progress in reading growth? Not who had the highest proficiency, which districts made the highest, uh, the quickest progress in reading growth? And it's interesting, right? Because our 10 largest districts are Albuquerque, Farmington, Gadsden, Gallup, Hobbs, Las Cruces, Las Lunas, Rio Rancho, Roswell, and Santa Fe. Without fail, every time people say, it's Rio Rancho. It's got to be Rio Rancho. 
or it's got to be Hobbs. Or Los Alamos. Or Los Alamos. Mm -hmm. And then I have to tell them, not one of the 10 largest. Right. But then we showed the chart, right? And this chart, which obviously our listeners can't see, but I have in front of me. The four fastest growing districts in that five-year period. Farmington, Gadsden, Gallup, Hobbs. Wow. People aren't usually surprised by Hobbs, but Farmington, Gallup, Gadsden, shocked. But Farmington alone, in that five-year period, you guys increased your reading proficiency by 14 points. I think, I think I've said this to you, had we continued this assessment, I think you guys would have beat Rio Rancho in mm -hmm. overall proficiency pre-COVID if had we used the same assessment system. But this growth is what I point to when I tell districts, like, it's possible. Look, Farmington, 14.2 percentage points in five years. Right. That's incredible. So what was – how did you guys do that? What was that like? Well, um, you build a system. You build an organization that, that people want to succeed in. So, so specifically how we did it and how Gene and I worked on it was, was – um, let me, let me just back up a little bit. People think that it's programs. You put in this program or you put in this initiative. And, and yeah, that's a part of it, but that's way down the list. And so what we really started with that we thought was most important, let's build a culture based on values across the district because we felt it was important. We know it's important. We did it at PESCO, is that, that people need to want to be there to be successful. And they, they want to be there, they want to be successful, and they tell the community what a great place it is to work. And what that does is it, is it keeps the good people there, but attracts other people because they hear about this thing. So what we're trying to do is build a good team across the board. It doesn't matter if it's teachers, um, support staff, whatever it is, we need to build a good culture. And then we have to concentrate on good leadership in every leadership position across the district. Again, it doesn't matter if it's principals or support departments, whatever. Good values-based, um, highly equipped leaders for a district. Now, now you don't do culture. Okay, we're done with culture. Now we do leadership. Okay, now we're done with leadership. Now we do this. It's, it's, it's a gray line, and you're working on this stuff all the time. Culture development never stops. You're always working on it. Leadership training, leadership development never stops. You're always working on it. But then after you kind of get those things going and heading in the right direction, we start working on systems. And, and the systems are that um, you've, you know, we've always seen it where I, we had it when my kids were growing up. We'd say, okay, who's a really good third grade teacher at Country Club Elementary? And so, oh, this is a really good teacher. Let's try to get them. Well, what we try to do was, was bring everybody up. So you have teachers that are exceptional. And you have teachers that are good, that aren't quite as talented, but they're good. So let's build a system that we can bring all the teachers up to that other level. And so uh, we used what's called the, the high reliability system, which was developed by the Marzano Group. Mm -hmm. And it's a fantastic system. And what it does is try to build a system that you follow that builds excellence throughout the district from school to school, from classroom to classroom across the board. Again, you got to continue with the culture, leadership, and now systems. And, 
And everything is interlocked. And, and we did a, a graphic that we could show to PED, that we could show to legislatures and say, say this is, it's, don't, don't just tell us to do a program because it's not a program. This is how everything interacts, and it's like a gear. When you move this one, this one moves, this one moves, this one moves. And as soon as you stop doing certain things, everything stops. And so that's how we built it. You may not, you may not know this or not, but Phil Valdez, who was mm-hmm. the deputy superintendent at, at the schools, when he retired, I hired him at PESCO. I do know that. <laughs> <laughs> because he built systems, and we needed the same type of person at PESCO that was totally committed to just building systems. And it's been phenomenal what we've been able to do with, you know, again, we already had culture. I have a great leadership team, but we didn't have the systems piece down. So we hired Phil to do that. And it's just it's just working phenomenally. But, but that's what happens, needs to happen in a district. The, the um, part that is missing, really, is that um, the school board is kind of left out of that piece of very important strategy for how to build a good district. I mean, they are fantastic people. They're volunteers. They're unpaid. Mm-hmm. They put a lot of time into it, but they're not equipped to look at right. what is a great organization. How do you build a great organization? And they don't know how to do that, and they don't get any training to do that, to do that. So that's kind of a missing link in this whole thing. Yep, is really allowing those school board members to sit into the role. I mean, I just I could sit and listen to you talk about your time on the Farmington School Board and just the way that you guys tackled the program, the project so many for so many hours because I have this challenge, and this is why we appreciate the podcast so much. Hopefully, through the conversation, people can understand this. But, you know, people always say, well, how do we fix it? And there isn't like a, oh, if we <laughs> implement this program, if we do this, it's at every level of the system, the state, the district, schools, classrooms, you got to have systems in place to set goals based on what your shared values are as an organization. Right. Measure yourself to those goals. Get enough feedback coming in to where you can adjust at an appropriate time. You can't wait three years and be like, oh, gosh, we've been off course for three years. We had right. no idea. Right. So it's this <clears throat> systems approach that we have to apply. And it to some people, I think business leaders especially, it's like, well, duh. So I've been, you know, you heard me this morning running around telling everyone I'm so excited about APS or they're getting a strategic plan in place. Right. And I've had so many business leaders say, you're excited because they're getting a strategic plan? And I'm like, well, they didn't have one. Right. So, yeah, it's exciting. <clears throat> but to them, they're like, how are you even doing anything without that? Right, right. So this, like, disconnect, and I think people like you are able to really help connect the dots of – it's the basics. It's the basics of how do you run an excellence-driven organization, right? And how do you apply systems to make sure you're getting the outcomes that we want? Right. Exactly. Yeah. And, and the strategic plan is is interesting also because, you know, uh, most strategic plans are this exercise that you go through, and you're done with it. You put it up on the mantle Mm -hmm. and then in a year you come back to it 
And frankly, our first one that we did was a little bit that way. Mm-hmm. And then we completely revamped it. And we met for probably, there was a committee that met for probably a good eight months. And what we decided to do was, you know, we this strategic plan is for the entire district. And the goal is to have everybody aligned and everybody heading in the same direction. So we really started with the teachers. What is expected of them and um, and then build the strategic plan up to the board? Because most of the time what you see in strategic plans, it's from the top down. Mm-hmm. But this was from the bottom up. I shouldn't say bottom, but from the people that are actually yeah. doing the work, yep. you know? And so, so that's how we built it. And then, but everything is based on data, okay? And, and so what we started doing was, was we put out, this was really tough for me too, because I, I'm a big believer in stretch goals, mm-hmm. you know? And, and I remember in our first strategic plan, um, you know, because we, we didn't have very good proficiency. And they would say, well... We think by, I'm just giving this example, I don't remember the exact numbers, but we think by the end of the year we should have like a a 2% growth in reading in fourth grade. And I said, that's not acceptable. It's gonna get, it's gonna be 30 years before we have proficiency. Mm -hmm. That is absolutely not acceptable. You tell me, I want 10%. I wanna see significant growth and let's see how we do that thing. And so, you know, it's important to get stretch goals and really make people uncomfortable, but equip them mm-hmm. and support them. And so um, so now everything's based on data, and every board meeting we look at that data. And we're, we're making decisions on, on, on how do we use this data, how do we change things and everything, and, and holding the superintendent accountable for results. You know, those things can get uncomfortable, but that, that's okay. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's the okay. job. Yeah. I, you know, in the spirit of New Mexico Rising being let's uplift the positive stories, what you all accomplished in alongside the other districts that we mentioned that saw uh, amazing growth, I realized that I skipped over an important point. In that same five-year period, Rio Rancho, which I'm a proud Rio Rancho guy, oh, yeah. increased by one percentage point. Over a five-year period. Well, you guys are getting 14. So when we meet with district leaders or now school boards who I think are following in the footsteps of districts like Farmington, and they're saying, what are reasonable goals? Like, yeah, we can come up with a stretch goal, but what have other districts been able to do? We're able to show them this data and say, like, okay, look, there were four districts in a five-year period that were able to average two to three percentage point increase per year. So you know that's possible. Maybe make that your benchmark goal and see if you can right, stretch out right. perform them, but you guys really helped set a new expectation of what is possible. Right. Well, and and here's a thing is is something that that Dr. Schmidt also brought to the table was he was he was an idea guy and and he was an innovator. And so we hired as a consultant Dr. Kim Johnson from I think he was at Los Alamos Labs for a while, but he's a statistician. Mm-hmm. And so we wanted him to take a look at, at each school 
and plot each school on a chart of where they really were when you consider their um, the economy of that school. Mm-hmm. Yep. And and so because what you really have to look at is what are the opportunities, what are the possibilities for that school, and so you'll see a school that's that's in a um, high socioeconomic area that you look at 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 the face of it they're doing really well you know they're they're proficient they're this much above proficiency and everything but when you put it on that scatter chart and you look at socioeconomic they should be a lot better than they are yeah yep you know so when you do things like that and then you take a look at some of the schools that are much much lower socioeconomic and put them on that chart they're going hey they're doing pretty good you know, now we, we still have things to do, but it lends you a different perspective on how schools should be doing and don't get comfortable with where you are because you should be getting better because of foundationally what you have going right. for you already. Well, I wish that everyone knew Farmington uh, better because I think your growth was really driven from schools that people didn't expect mm-hmm. to get good growth. Right. You know, I lived there during this time, so right. I kept trying to convince everyone, yeah. this is incredible. What's happening in Farmington is incredible. Right. And people who have been there for, you know, generations are like, I don't know. Like, you're trying to tell me that that school's one of the best? I'm like, I, I'm not trying to tell you. I am telling you right. that that school across town that in <clears> your <throat> mind – is a low-performing school because it always has been. Right. Is getting the fastest growth in this district. Right. So I just that those are the stories to me that are more inspirational than, let's say, a Country Club Elementary or here in Albuquerque, North Star Elementary. Right. Yeah. Great. Okay. But they're supposed to do that. They're supposed to do that. Right. Exactly. They're set up to do that. Yeah. You know, one of the other things that that Gene and I did, and I, I had this conversation with him when he first came to work for the district. Because I'd, I'd heard all of this, and I'd been on the board for four years already, and there was always this kind of undercurrent of, you know, PED doing this and the legislature doing this and all this stuff, and just kind of a negative. Mm-hmm. I said, Gene, that, that stops now. I said, we, you know, PED is our boss. And I said, we have got to have great relationships with PED. We've got to have great relationships with the governor's office. We've got to have great relationships with the legislators. And I said, what happens is, is that when you build those relationships and you start trying some of these things, then it builds credibility for your district. So then they start coming to you and saying, would you do this program? We want to see how it works because we know you can execute. We've proven we can execute. Mm -hmm. And so then, you know, that old Jim Collins – principle of shoot BBs before you shoot cannonballs, we would do that in Farmington. So we'd try this system, see if it worked, and then we'd push it out. And and so the PED was trusting Farmington to try some of these things. And um, um, so that that really that really worked well. We we had a, a program that PED came out with, wanted us to try it. And what it was was a – I can't remember the exact name of it, but it was basically trying to get parents more involved in the schools. Mm-hmm. And so we tried this program at Apache Elementary. Academic parent-teacher teams. That's exactly right. Yep, yep, yep you're right. And uh, so we tried it at Apache Elementary, which was a lower socioeconomic school. And 
we had to bus parent. They had to park other places around Farmington, and we bus them to the school. We had such great participation, which leads to student student achievement, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So yeah, just some of these things are really powerful things as you try to execute them in the right way. At a school that I fear prior to that, a lot of people would have said, well, that school doesn't do well because the parents aren't engaged. Right. And then when you give parents a real opportunity to have real engagement, which right. I think via academic parent-teacher teams as a tool, yeah. they prove the opposite. Like, they, parents want to be engaged. Parents, this is what I tell people all the time about New Mexico. There are very few parents. Yes, there are, you know, some parents that just have other issues, whether addiction or, yeah. you know, mental health issues where they can't be that parent for their child. 98% of parents in the state love their kid. Right. They want to help them be successful. Right. We just, that collaboration needs to be strengthened. And I think that was such a great example and a true testament to your, your at Farmington, the whole district's leadership of, I was at PET at that time. And I remember there weren't a lot of districts who were willing to collaborate with us. Right. It was so wonderful to be able to go to a district to work with board members and principals and a superintendent and have open, honest conversation about, hey, would you guys try this? Let us know if it works. If not, great. The challenge is, and this is where, you know, leadership matters of the board, of the superintendent, when people, whether it's a strong vendor or a new program, they call me and say, hey, Mieta, we really want to do work in New Mexico. Who do you think is ready to go on this journey with us? There's only a handful of districts that have the foundational stuff right. Right. So those districts, I put Farmington as one of them, keep getting better because they're ready to execute on all the good stuff because right. you've got the foundational work done. Right. Yeah, and it takes a long time to get that foundational work done. It does. Yeah, so that's what's a little challenging. But much much easier with examples of it being possible like you all did. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was uh, – you remember UVA. Yeah. Teachers Pursuing mm-hmm. Excellence and Principals Pursuing Excellence. There's a lot of districts that didn't want to do that. Mm-hmm. And we jumped all over it. We sent as many people as the state would let us send – and, uh, and we even funded our, our own people to go do that. That was a good program. That was an excellent program. I'm, I'm hoping it'll come back soon. Yeah. Because <laughs> Secretary Romero participated also in UVA and yeah. Principles Pursuing Excellence. So I'm hoping we see a reemergence of those things. And But you guys did, I think, the second part that's honestly even more important than the participation in the program, which is once you realized, hey, this is we're getting good things out of this, let's make it our own. Mm-hmm. This is not a pet initiative. Right. This is not a governor initiative or a secretary of education initiative. This is something that we as a district are going to adopt and integrate into how we do school. Right. This is the Farmington way. Exactly. The Farmington way. And so that ownership makes all the difference in the world. Right. Right. You know, it's the difference between an an athlete saying, like, I'm just doing this because my coach told me to. To, like, really connecting with it and saying, like, I'm owning this as a part of a team. Right. And I'm going to do my part. Right. I'm, uh, I really just cannot express how important <laughs> I think the example of what you all have done in Farmington is. Yeah, we've been really fortunate. I mean, we were blessed. I mean, because we had some good people there already. And um, um, and we attracted some more good people and everything. And so, you know, they just they just bought into, and I hate using that word because it seems like you're coercing, but they really bought into our vision and where we wanted to go. And we per- had a pretty good idea how to get there. You know, um, it wasn't convoluted. You know, we could see, 
You know, I mean, for example, our values. I mean, it was integrity, mutual respect and trust, commitment to excellence, and celebrating success. It was very clear what our values are and what our expectations of our leaders were to have those values day in and day out, live those values day in and day out. That makes it easy to, for people to get excited and to get involved and try to get better, you know, when you do that type of stuff. So for districts that haven't started their excellence journey, what would you say the first thing? Let's say there's a board member out in some district somewhere listening and going, man, I would love to, to take that journey. Where should they start? Gosh, um, where is the starting point? It, it's so, you know, I, I think you have to build. I think the first thing is really is, is the, the board and the superintendent have to have good relations. They have to be on the same page. They have to be humble. You know, they cannot, you can't have an ego and do school board. I mean, really, I mean, if you do, it'll get blown up pretty quickly. (laughs) (laughs) But they really have to be on the same page. And then they have to come up with a plan. And and really, I mean, there's other districts that have done this. Mm -hmm. And I know that Farmington is more than happy to host other districts and to help them get on that right path. I mean, those people are wanting the best for kids and the best for other edu- uh, other districts. So, you know, I would say get on the same page first. I mean, support each other, understand that everybody has, has some um, make mistakes and things, but I'd say that's the first thing. And then reach out to some of these districts that are doing well. Don't be afraid to ask and, and be humble enough to ask and they'd be more than happy to help. But I think it starts with culture. I mean, you, this starts with how to treat people. And you got to look at yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, a board that doesn't treat each other well, and it, it's not, it's going to go sideways pretty quickly. Yeah. Yeah. Good lessons for all of us and just adult yeah. behavior in well, general. And, yeah. Well, and, and organizations too. I mean, I've spent a lot of time because I've, I've failed a lot. I mean, I've spent a lot of time studying and, and, um, uh, frankly, the Bible is the best place for me to start, and uh, uh, which I start every morning. And so, you know, that, that really teaches you the right way to go. Yeah. I mean, it really does. Well, I think we're ready to jump into some more. F- I think all these questions are fun, but <laughs> these ones might be a little more fun. Okay. Who I was, think this was fun. I think so, too. I love See? this stuff. Hopefully. <laughs> uh, who was your favorite teacher? Oh, gosh. You know, I had a lot of good teachers. And, and of course, I was, I was brought up where you get in trouble at home, you're going to get in more trouble. I mean, at, at school, school you'll get in more trouble at home. <laughs> but I think that, that maybe the most – I probably had two really impactful teachers. And one of them was in probably it was – eighth grade or ninth grade social studies and it was a guy that he was also my basketball coach and I just connected with him and um, so he's my basketball coach in ninth grade then he moved up to high school he's my JV coach at high school just a great guy um, really made things interesting that's when we first really got introduced to um, the drug um, I can't even remember what it was called but the drug initiative then the state of drugs and then I had, believe it or not, in engineering school, I, I took differential equations through 
the math department. And the, the professor was a, he'd played basketball in college. And, uh, but I remember he would, and I'm, so I've always connected with sports guys, right? Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, Makes sense. But he would always put up on the board, um, this is what we're going to do today, and these are our goals, and this is what I expect you to get out of it. So it was a plan. And that was so impactful to me that, that you have a plan and then you execute on the plan. So I think those are the most two impactful teachers I had. What is one restaurant that you would recommend eating at in Farmington for people that might be visiting or driving through to Durango? Oh, gosh. I love uh, Los Rios, Mexican Same. restaurant. Uh, I love Los Hermanitos. And, I, you know, i got to give this pitch. The, the country club has the best chef in town. Huh? It competes with Durango. It really does. Heard it here first, everyone. Check <laughs> yeah, it out. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. It's you been come a long... to Farmington, I'll take you to the country club. We'll uh, eat there. All right, good to know. Okay. Also, I love the green chili cheeseburgers at Pinion Hills. Oh, yeah. It's, oh, yeah. It's been too long since yeah. I've had one of those. Yeah, my wife and I stopped there after church the other day, and it was fantastic. Oh, yeah. So good. Yeah. Uh, tell us about something that you're watching, reading, or listening to that you'd recommend. Oh, we may not want to get into this. <laughs> I'm reading a book called Unsettled and with question mark and and it's by a guy i can't remember his name but he's a physicist that you wouldn't believe his credentials but it's on climate change so that's a really interesting book that i'm reading and then the other book that you'll be surprised i've never read before i'm reading to kill a mockingbird oh yeah yeah i've you never know what? i never have either it seen is, the play oh my gosh it is a great book and I'm really enjoying that. And, and really, I mean, I get to work every day between 4.30 and 5 in the morning. And so if I read before I go to bed, I just end up reading the same thing over again. So these are kind of slow movers, right? I like it. I like it. <laughs> so. Um, to close, what's your hope for education in New Mexico? You know what? I, I, I think there's so much potential for kids' success in New Mexico. And I mean, we've got some fantastic people here. I just, I just think that, that we need to equip our boards better. We need to connect the dots a little bit better. I, mean, I was telling you earlier about Phil Valdez and, and, and he's still involved with the Priority School, Schools Bureau. Mm -hmm. He's still involved with them. And he's in training, I think today on, and I think the title was something like it's not just people, it's systems, okay? That's great training, but we need to get the board in that training right. also right. so they're connected. So, so, but, but I think that, that the potential is huge in New Mexico, and it, it's just going to drive everything. It's going to lower our poverty levels. It's going to lower our crime levels. It's going to drive business development. I mean, it's just huge what we can do, and, and we've got to do it. I mean, oil and gas isn't going to be here forever. We've got to do something to drive economic development, help people be successful. It's through education. So let's get with it, you know? Well, Kyle, thank you so much for making time to talk with us, to share the Farmington story. But more so, thank you for your service to the children in Farmington and all of the service that you do across your many volunteer roles across the state. We're so grateful. 
Well, I'm so you. grateful. Uh, it's been an honor to be here. And always so good to see you, Amanda. So good to see you. I'm coming up to Farmington. We're going to go. Oh. I might choose Los Rios over a burger because it's been it's my favorite. Absolutely. I well, think it's one of the best New Mexican restaurants in the state. You let me know. You're my guest. Okay. Would okay. love it. All right. Sounds good. Thank you. Awesome. Well, at the end of each episode, we'll highlight some new relevant education news that we think you need to know as listeners. So in case you missed it, Recently, the Albuquerque Teachers Federation filed a grievance against Albuquerque Public Schools, claiming recent instructional initiatives of the district violate their collective bargaining agreement. In the grievance, Albuquerque Teachers Federation claims the district violates numerous elements of the collective bargaining agreement, including by arguing that teachers should not be required to notify parents if their student is at risk of failing or not meeting academic standards in time to apply academic interventions. Albuquerque Public Schools has also begun its search for a new superintendent. In case you missed the news, uh, Superintendent Elder will end his contract next summer, and the board is expected to choose a new superintendent in the spring of 2024. Lastly, we recently at New Mexico Kids Can released our back-to-school toolkit to help you prepare for the academic year ahead. Parents, especially, this is for you. Our updated version includes links to two new resources, including our Literacy Toolkit and our Literacy Action Center. These resources are really built for you to help make sure that your child starts the school year strong. They include sample letters that you can write to your child's teacher, questions to ask at your first parent-teacher conference or open house, ways to make sure that your child is getting the best literacy instruction. Everything you need to know is in those two toolkits, and they can be found on our website at nmkidscan.org. If you're interested in learning more about the new superintendent search or the recent grievance filed by ATF, you can read news stories about both of those topics on our education news site, nmeducation.org. That is a wrap for our first episode of Semester 2. Thank you so much for joining us. Please don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts so you never miss an episode. You can follow us on social media at nmkidscan to catch all the latest education news and hear about opportunities to use your voice to create change. Please consider rating the podcast and leaving a review or sharing the link with a friend. Thanks so much for listening. Have a great start to the school year. We'll talk to you soon.